Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network, live from the 6th and Peabody Studios. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Uh, with Yeehaw Brewing Company, with Old Smoky Distillery, right here in the heart of Music City for the Tennessee Power Hour. David Reed, Jacob Swanson making the show happen for us. Ellie Sylvia, our production assistant today. You can follow the show on Twitter at Outkick360. Head over to FanDuel while you're online. FanDuel.com slash OK360. You can make up to a $1,000 risk-free bet. If you lose your first bet with FanDuel by using that code, you get your money back in site credit, up to $1,000 back in site credit, fanduel.com slash OK360. We'll have today's and tonight's 360 parlay coming up. Chad, who was not available uh, for practice today for the Tennessee Volunteers? Quarterback Brian Maurer, uh, who uh, apparently was told that he is fourth on the depth chart right now at quarterback, and after he was told that last night, late last night, he tweeted out, they took my dream after four days. That's okay, because I'm a soldier. Hashtag 18 out. 18 being his number. He later deleted that and just tweeted, I'm a soldier. Uh, well, that's, that soldier is without a war to fight right now yep. because he did not show up in practice today. He's out. And he is also not officially in the transfer portal as of now. Um, but my assumption is that Brian Maurer is indeed hashtag 18 out of the quarterback race no surprise no i think we all thought you know he was probably a distant fourth in that race um hendon hooker joe milton harrison bailey the favorites one of them's going to win that job so brian mauer i think i was surprised when brian mauer didn't bolt uh when jeremy pruitt was fired when when everyone else was leaving but it does appear well, he's that he's always leaving now. he's always been labeled mauer as the one who knew too much with everything going on with the ncaa investigation um, so I'm, I'm intrigued at how quickly they moved on from him in this battle based on all of the underlying, I mean, let's just put it out there. It's all been discussed behind the scenes that Maurer is the one that leaked a lot of information. Um, that's not confirmed. That's just rumor, but that's what everyone talks about behind the scenes is Brian Maurer is the one who knows so much about that, that regime. And that's why he was kept around, and that's why he's a part of certain battles. If that's true, man, this is quick for Heupel to move on. Well, he's, it's like he's deep throat, right? Yeah. With Watergate, like he's the, he's the snitch. And I look, think, and that, that was kind of the assumption was, I think he turned over some information uh, that led to a lot of this with Jeremy Pruitt and everyone else. Look, I mean, I think that, you know, is Brian Maurer now going to burn down the entire program and university? <laughs> I feel like after, you know, we're going to get into this also, yep. after months this. and months of investigation and everything they've done, and they've spent over 700 k with a, with a law firm, I mean, I think Tennessee probably knows what they have and what the NCAA has by now, and they're not as concerned about it, so I don't think they're concerned about Brian Maurer turning full snitch and taking a flamethrower. I, I don't know what he university. said or did not say. Um, I just know he, he wasn't starting quarterback quality no. or caliber and that, that we knew from watching him play but he didn't know apparently well and here's what's obviously not is it took his dream after four days of, of camp um here's what's interesting about this I, I spoke to someone in the tennessee program that knows the quarterback race well and knows josh heupel and his offense well and they said that the crazy thing is brian mauer is the perfect quarterback for josh heupel's offense if everything was equal and Brian Maurer could concern himself with the things he should concern himself with, he could be the starter. But Brian Maurer has an issue constantly worrying, almost rabbit ears, about everything he should not be worried about and that he cannot get out of his own head with that. And that's been his problem since he got to Tennessee. But from an ability standpoint, from a skill set, there's a reason Josh Heupel recruited him hard to UCF. And he's from Florida. So that it would have made sense, but Josh Heupel kind of couldn't get out of his, I'm sorry, Brian Maurer couldn't get out of his right. own way in Josh Heupel's system, 
which, which I found interesting. But look, I mean, I think it's pretty clear Joe Milton physically should be the guy. He's got every tool that you could ask for. He's got some experience at Michigan also. Hendon Hooker's got a lot of experience at Virginia Tech. And Harrison Bailey now, to me, seems sort of like the odd man out. I know, I know writers there are saying don't discount him, but I really think this is Joe Milton or Hendon Hooker's offense when they take the field against Bowling Green. Wasn't the last guy that exited with the big I'm a soldier pronouncement Kellen Winslow Jr.? Yes. And in fact, funny enough, Paul, that didn't uh, end well. the I'm a soldier line, I believe, came after a loss to Tennessee. Uh, that was in 2003. Tennessee went to Miami and upset the Hurricanes. I think 10 to 6 was the final. I think, uh, I want to say maybe Jonathan Hefney. Someone had like an end around touchdown that won the game for college? Tennessee. I thought it was in the He was in college. college and he said, I don't give a damn about a volunteer. He said, I don't give a damn about a vol. I'm a soldier. I'm a bleeping soldier. Oh, Said it over and over. That's good context. If there. YouTube would allow us to play the clip, we would no, right now, but no. they're not going to allow <laughs> don't, don't act rash. I feel like YouTube might shut us down just for mentioning that we were, no, we're thinking about on. playing Shh, the clip. Chad, please. Yes. Don't act yeah. rash. Uh, but Brian Maurer, I think, probably gone at, at this point. <laughs> it's just a matter of time until his name enters that transfer portal. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, again, like th- this, I feel like we've been building to this. We, we've known this, and Heupel... Uh, is doing this early instead of late. Why do you stay? I mean, now um, he gives in the transfer portal. He shows up somewhere weak, late. Right. I mean, is there going to be somewhere even weak that, like, says, oh, we got to get this guy right in the starting lineup? I mean, he's going to have to go down a, a notch or two. Uh, yeah, you're right. Sure. I mean, it's not going to be. But even there, is he going to, like, sweep into a starting role? Probably not. But, I mean, he's going to have a chance you know, when he goes down a level. Spring. Yeah. Exactly. Um, they should have wrapped up this NCAA investigation by now. Um, was it two, three weeks ago, Chad? We had you and I were talking to Hubs, and he gave us the exact amount they had spent and billed to that point. It was over seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, and we said they 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 were shooting for a million in attorneys' fees. Uh, they're still going, and, and I know that there there have been comments made to Adam Sparks with uh, Gannett uh, there in Knoxville on um, the, the expenditures for attorney's fees and this ongoing investigation. Um, wh- what's the latest there and what's the count up to? So Danny White spoke to the Knoxville Rotary Club, I think it was. I'm, I'm looking right now at Adam Sparks at the story who's now a Tennessee beat writer. Notice how we said his name. Uh, even though right. we've had problems with the past again, it's amazing how easy that was. Knoxville Rotary Club, Danny White was addressing Tennessee fans and um, was asked about the NCAA investigation and said, look, we're not going to turn over something to the NCAA where they can then go and investigate more. We are closing the investigation. This is not a now we're handing it over to the NCAA. He did say what we thought, which is Tennessee's going to levy their own punishment and be done with it. Let's go. My point, and he, said, he even said, well, you know, you look at it, and some of these investigations go on three and four years. And I'm, I'm thinking, not for that's this. the old NCAA. The NCAA does not matter anymore. I don't know how much more Tennessee could do. They torched an entire coaching staff. They've spent seven hundred. They spent three quarters of a million dollars in legal fees to investigate themselves. This has gone on months. They are destroying this year's recruiting class and some of next year's as the clock continues to tick on this. What else can you do than just go ahead and say, "Here's the punishment." And at this point, the punishment shouldn't even include a bowl ban. Just say, we're going to limit some visits. We're going to you know, reduce some scholarships, whatever it may be. And we've already punished ourselves by firing the previous coaching staff that was responsible for this and hiring a new one. It's very simple to wrap up this investigation now. And for Danny White said, well, we don't want the NCAA to investigate. What is the NCAA going to do? Nothing. Do they have a team of paid investigators now that are just going to flock to Knoxville? Well, haven't they and, and already like, They're going to be like Mulder and Scully on X-Files and start doing their own investigation haven't, after the fact? Uh, what's the no. NCAA a done to this point? Nothing? They have, they have Nothing. been in on conference been, calls. Yeah. They, they've been, they, they were allowed to, I, I know for a fact, they were allowed to ask questions of Jeremy Pruitt and all the players and coaches that were interviewed by Tennessee. So they had their investigators and lawyers asking questions also. Uh, when they were interviewed by the NCAA. It was like March or April. Months ago. I, I just, my alma mater cannot get out of their own way, and it's infuriating. Well, let's get and, furious. And I, and I think Danny White is a good AD and a smart man, and I, I, I know that what he thinks he's doing is the right thing, 
But it's easy to look from the outside and say the NCAA has no power. They have no credence. Just levy your own punishment and be done with it. And here's my other theory about yeah, this. Why else would attorneys be involved to this point? I think Tennessee's trying to cover themselves with the firing for cause. The longer this goes on, to me, I get the sense that Tennessee is investigating themselves more and more and spending so much money to this law firm out of Kansas City or, or wherever they're from simply because they don't have enough on Jeremy Pruitt to have fired him with cause right now, and they need to find that dirt. They need to find that for themselves so they are spared. Basically, we'll spend a million dollars in legal fees to get out of the buyout. $18 million of buyouts for all these coaches or whatever the number may be. So it's a math game at that point. And you can cover it up by saying that you're allowing the NCAA to investigate and continue their investigation when really, in, in a way, you're, you're, you're looking for cause because that's why you fired Jeremy Pruitt and, and made the regime change that you did. So I, I, I could buy into that theory somewhat where you, you, you spend money here in order to save money down the road. But it is... Because if you don't, if you don't have an NCAA violation and a huge penalty, then can you fire Jeremy Pruitt with cause at that point? And it's just not worth it, right? You sign the buyouts right. as a university. It's not just Philip Fulmer doing it. The university signed off on it. Donda Plowman was a part of that. You signed up for it. Reach a settlement. Maybe he doesn't get all of his buyout money. I know his, his agent and lawyers are going to come for all of his buyout money. But you're going to have to pay a good chunk of that regardless. So stop committing program suicide by continuing an investigation. I think they're continuing it to try to find more dirt on the coaches so they can say, oh, well, here we go. We're turning over all of our findings, and this is why we fired them with cause. We can't pay these guys the buyout. Pay them the buyout. Reach a settlement. Be done with it. Get to the business of winning football games. So they are hurting their own program to simply save themselves some money, which in turn is costing them money in the future because fans are not going to continue to pay for crap. And this is the cycle of Tennessee athletics. Round and round we go, regardless of who's in charge. And again, I'm not out on Danny White by any means. I think it was a good hire. I think he's done good things. I think he's a smart man, and he can lead this program. But prove it to me by going ahead and ending this investigation soon and stop making statements like this to the Rotary Club. They're hurting their own program, too, by having this be a perpetual conversation. The, the more there's a perpetual conversation about investigation and yeah. sanctions, the more that's what your program is about. And the less you're, you're cutting into the talk about the new football coach and the exciting offense that is to come and all of that, it's, it's just the way it is. So there's a perpetual conversation with the University of Tennessee's football program about this stuff. And so also nationally or SEC-wide, it becomes, well, Tennessee's about that investigation. I get Which, which but, is not a big investigation, but, which is not a big deal. It, so you got to get It was a big it. deal, though. It was a big deal. It's not anymore. Right. So I, the so conversation now is, oh, they're investigating something where the NCAA ultimately has no power because they stepped back, and now the individual conferences are grabbing that power. I would be more concerned if I'm Tennessee checking in with Greg Sankey and the SEC offices on what they think the penalty should be and self-imposed than I would calling up the NCAA and allowing their investigation to continue because ultimately the SEC is going to police them. It's not going to be the Agreed. NCAA any, any longer. And so uh, the, the NCAA investigation that's hanging over Tennessee's head is just uh, a very thin cloud right oh, now. Agree. It's no it's longer not. a storm that's, that's coming that we were predicting was going to be detrimental to the postseason and beyond for Tennessee, you know, what, February or March of last year. Not, not, within months, it's, it's no big deal. Yeah, but it's still this uh, idea just that there's something hovering over them. There's a cloud, an investigation, uh, well, to me, sanctions, it just, whatever. Surface level, it's just stupid to continue to pay attorneys' fees right now. Yes, uh, that's all. They're billing the ter the attorneys are billing them on a the monthly basis, and I don't. I think the goal is to get up to a million dollars. I mean, just scratch the check. There are there have to be things going on under the surface as to why they continue to pay these attorneys' fees at the number and rate that they're doing. And I think Chad's onto something with the overall buyout of Pruitt, which is going to cost them significantly more than what the attorney's fees currently are. And to what is stopping you from getting to a conclusion, but I don't understand why it would hurt you 
to put that out there if that's the case. Hey, this is about the Pruitt buyout, or hey, we think we can slow play this They're in, not ever into do that. irrelevance. But then Pruitt's attorneys because turn around then, and say, you're digging up dirt that was never a violation yeah, according they, to the NCAA. They can't admit that because by admitting that, they would say they didn't have evidence on them to fire them with cause when they actually the committed the action. Right. And now they're having to go back and try to cover themselves. Yeah, they can never admit so that. So it would ru- ruin any chance they have. Now, here's how toothless the NCAA is. This came down about 30 minutes ago. I was toothless. The recently. NCAA has announced that a Division I Committee on Infractions hearing panel could not conclude that Baylor violated NCAA rules when it failed to report allegations of sexual and interpersonal violence and failed to address those accusations. Baylor received no bowl ban, no scholarship reduction. <laughs> Baylor. With their Baylor. history. Right. Tennessee should be issuing a damn statement right now Today. saying we have no Immediately. penalties. None. None. We fired our coaches. We cost ourselves millions of dollars. We've, moved on. We've cost ourselves a year in recruiting. That's enough. And mentioned Baylor. We based on, on, the, based on the findings regarding Baylor. We are on to Bowling hey, but, uh, but hold on now. The NCAA really did come down hard. They did get four years probation and a $5,000 <laughs> fine. $5,000. Say we declined the $5,000 fine based on the seven fifty that we spent internally on investigators uh, and, and lawyers. $5,000 fine for Baylor. Incredible. With what they have uh, in, in their it, athletic program. Incredible. And this, and this is the foolishness of the NCAA that we've talked about for yeah. so long that they have created a system where it is somehow more egregious for Tennessee to have allegedly paid for families of players to stay in a hotel an extra night and they brought them food to their rooms. <laughs> that, is, that is the crux of what's being alleged. Worse than... They were bringing meals to them illegally... Uh, and this is what happened, is worse than covering up rape and sexual assault to keep players eligible. And they're saying in this, they didn't violate NCAA rules. They were unethical, and they violated rules, but not NCAA rules. If you don't report an alleged rape or try to cover it up to protect a football player's eligibility, what is the NCAA there for? You should be in big trouble. They... Again, Again, it's all it's all pointless at this point. Yes, it and is. I, I don't understand the charade that Tennessee continues to carry on with. It's, They're really it's lucky. The NCAA is really lucky that college football is really entertaining and popular because all this other BS should kill it. Well, and Hutton's right. I mean, Greg Sankey is now We're, the commissioner of, of college football. So yep. all, all they have to do is get permission from Greg Sankey. Okay, you're fine. And that, that was my recommendation two months ago, three months ago, prior to the Get expansion talk. I would go to Sankey Get and say, hey, we're, we're headed down the path of NIL where they're now allowing you to make up our rules. It's individual universities, and it is conference to conference. If that's the case, Give us that's solution. the way it's going to be for everything. The writing was on the wall for it. Um, there, Chad's right. There are other layers to it that they're not wanting to admit because they're trying to recoup some money from, from Pruitt's buyout, which is how much? I don't know. I don't have it in front of me. It's a, it's a lot. I want to say it's like $8 million. Seven or $8 million is yeah, what I was going to ask. I think it's, okay. I think it's eight. I mean, that guy's got to cost up. a lot of money. Unreal. Quality. Unreal. Coming up, uh, what are we actually going – what can we learn from the Titans' unofficial depth chart? Because there are other depth charts across the NFL where if it's positive news, the teams want that out there. Uh, case in point would be Trey Smith and the Kansas City Chiefs. Starter at right guard. He's listed as a starter. He's a six-round pick. And the Chiefs want that out there, and they are pumping that to the moon. Meanwhile, the Titans have rookies, third string, and they have rookies running at backup right guard when they are drafted to compete at right tackle. We discuss that and more ahead on OutKick 360. I'll kick 360 and the Tennessee Power Hour rolls on. Crew is all here today in studio at 6th and Peabody with Old Smokey and Yeehaw. You can join us on YouTube through Outkick 360. Subscribe and ring that bell. You're alerted every time we go live. And that means you're automatically entered to win 
the Sony and Hertz Audison prize pack. You get the full car stereo system. It's over a $2,500 value from Sony and Hertz Audison. Just for subscribing to the channel, you're automatically entered to win. We draw a winner on Tuesday, August 31st. So a couple of weeks left to subscribe. Go subscribe now. Automatically enter. That's all you have to do. There's no information there that you have to type in. You subscribe. We're going to draw a winner from the subscriber base to the Outkick 360 channel. Uh, Titans released to the unofficial depth chart earlier this week. And while you know, Vrabel doesn't pay much attention to it. Uh, he, he knows where certain guys rank, certainly, uh, on, uh, on the depth chart for practices and what and how he values certain preseason games and reps. We will learn a lot from that angle of things. Uh, but, Paul, I, I can't help but glance at a, at a roster and see that Dylan Radins is a backup right guard for a reason right now. Um, he's clearly not in the competition for right tackle as they go into preseason game number one. Part of that's due to an offensive line that's extremely banged up. And part of that is because Dylan Radins is in no way, shame, uh, shape, form, or fashion ready right now. Uh, that's how I take it. As a backup right guard, you start him at right guard and move him outside uh, for that reason. Second, I, I look at Monty Rice that we discussed heavily on this show as to why they picked him when they did in the third round. It was a surprise. And right now, uh, like his third round selection, he's running third string behind Jan Johnson, who I'm assuming most Titans fans didn't even know was on the roster to this point and won't even know it until they watch him play Friday night in Atlanta. I don't know how we don't read into things like that, even if a guy is a rookie and has an underline under his name indicating he's a rookie player and you're going to value him less on a depth chart Someone put this together, and someone put Jan Johnson ahead of Monty Rice backing up Rashawn Evans. Yeah, he's not running. That, I mean, he's not running third team. The, the only rookie here that's listed as high as second team is Raiden's at, as second right guard, and that's largely because they're so thin. They can't go any deeper. Interior uh, <laughs> offensive That's as low as he can go. Hey, the other second team uh, rookie is James Smith who we didn't know was on the team until I was discussing uh, punt returners catching punts from James Smith, who's got no chance to be on the team because it's a one-punter team, obviously, as are all teams. Um, so right. listen, they just, uh, and Vrabel said this when he was questioned about this depth chart, which is a thing every year. Um, he likes to make the rookies earn their place. Well, part of the way the rookies earn their place is the roster of 90 is cut ultimately to 53. That, that's true. And most of these they have to go higher. Wasteland guys are erased from the depth chart, and you have to move guys up. But look, this rookie class right now, Caleb Farley is getting better, but it's hard. I think you know we're discussing on the sidelines. He hasn't played football in two years. He got kicked out of a drill the other day because he he fell down and like gave up instead of getting up and fighting through it. And Vrabel said. That's not how we do things here. You know, we expect you to get up and, and go finish the play. Um, he looks rusty still, so it won't be a surprise if he doesn't play. Raidens is, is not starting at right tackle on opening day, barring a, a three-week miracle improvement right now. Um, third round, Monty Rice isn't drafted to, to play um, uh, as part of the starting defense. Des Fitzpatrick is not amongst the second clump of wide receivers who are excelling right now. Opening day contribution from the draft class is special teams um, at, at best right now. And the Titans are largely content with this sort of thing. And we, I think, are all on the same page. Why, when you have a good football team, do you not draft guys who can help make you a great football team right from the start instead of, look, Dylan Radins could be a great 10-year football player for the Titans, and that's great, and you have to have long-term vision if you're John Robinson. But you can also draft a guy who can help you in, in September of his first season and be a great 10-year Well, what does it matter? Here's, here's my thing about this. He could be a great 10-year offensive lineman for the Titans. Certainly he could. Also, certainly, the history of John Robinson shows he's not making it to that, that longer contract, that second contract with yeah, right. his draft picks. Uh, if, you're, if we're playing percentages. So you might as well get opening day out of a guy and, and, if he's not getting a second contract. And here's the other thing. If he's a 10-year starting offensive tackle in the league, what do I care if he's a really good tackle with a terrible quarterback six years from now? Because the Titans don't have Ryan Tannehill anymore. Win now. That's the lesson in this league. When you have it, you've got to go for it. So there is no point in drafting a, a guy who can't start right away 
If you go offensive tackle in the second round, great. You have a gaping hole at right tackle. Start the kid. That's why you draft him. Hutton, you've got a great example of a of winning franchise that drafted someone much later that's going to start. Trey Smith. Trey Smith was drafted in the sixth round, and he fell down because of health concerns. But he's already – I mean, the reports out of Kansas City make this guy sound like Paul Bunyan. Uh, and Andy Reid is even – uh, he's going in front of uh, doing pressers and gushing. gushing about Trey Smith, saying he's moving the line forward at the snap against their defensive front uh, as a rookie. And he's already named that he's, he's listed as the right guard starter for preseason game number one, meaning he's probably not going to play that much. Um, and that's as a six round pick. Now, the Kansas City Chiefs have turned over their offensive line to a point where I believe they're going to start two, maybe three rookies this year. And that's, they're going to ride or die with some young players up front in front of Patrick Mahomes and, and, and protecting him. So it's a gamble. But the way he's playing and producing, and I, I'm sorry, I can't help but read into the fact that they failed miserably on Isaiah Wilson and his replacement, the necessity, was Dylan Radins, who is the backup to Nate Davis on the depth chart as we go into preseason game number one. I'm sorry, but your talent alone should put you in better position than that. They don't need a Nate Davis backup. I mean, they do, but they don't need to draft a Nate Davis backup in the, in the second, second round, round as a replacement to Isaiah Wilson, who should be the starter at right tackle today. Yeah, no. It's, That's it's, glaring. It's highly disappointing. It makes you question their ability to assess offensive linemen uh, in the draft. And, uh, you know, look, I appreciate that they can be patient at certain places. But you're going to be patient with your first rounder. You're going to be patient with your second rounder. Uh, and if you go out and lose games early this season, um, in part because of, uh, you know, offensive and at line and, and cornerback, they, those are going to be fair, tough questions about those positions. And they are really struggling right now, depth-wise, on the interior offensive line. They need Aaron Brewer back. He's on non, non-football injury list and remains, I think, he's the only player that's on NFI right now I think so uh they, and, and he's he's listed as a backup he's not even available like I, and I understand like the struggle is real with the injuries for them they played a good substitute game last year for Saffold but but whoever put this together put Raidens as the backup right guard for a reason well I mean he's, he's not li- they have split starters right now at right tackle in San Bruno and, and, and if he was in, he was a part of that battle he would be included on the right side at tackle yeah, and you could also put a guy in a double double spot, you know, even even in a ninety man depth chart. I mean, there's a hole you're not going to be able to see it, but you've got Sambrilo and Lamb split on that line, and then there's a hole at backup. Yeah, and and, and people at the, with the team are going to be like, don't read too much into this. The team website has a twenty part observation of the unofficial depth chart on their website, so I, I will read into it. Someone put it together and put and posted this and had a big story about it. Um, yeah, they, they really are um, speaking out of two sides of, of their Of course. Mouth. The coach says it's not a big deal. The team website plays it up as a very big deal. So which is it? Yeah, Make it, up your it, mind. It's, it's a great talking Stop. point, but it's not all fluff here. I mean, A.J. Brown jumped onto the scene and was, uh, while he didn't get a lot of preseason work, he came in and produced. The expectation is for guy. Caleb Farley hasn't played in two years. You drafted him in the first round on premier and elite athleticism his athleticism alone should push chris jackson out of the slot and put christian fulton in it his athleticism alone should put him on the outside instead of watching behind the scenes well i'll say there's a mental aspect to it but there's to me there's no patience on caleb farley if he's healthy the one question we had when he was when he was drafted was what about the back issues it wasn't about if, is he ready to come in and play? Th- this guy, where you drafted him and what you were saying about his value means he comes in and plays. He starts on the outside. I agree with that. But the Fulton to the slot thing is about whether Fulton can play the slot. That has nothing to do with Farley. So I, I don't know that they've managed the Fulton to the slot thing right. If they've decided that Jackson is better than Fulton well, if in not, the if slot. it's not him, then it's Elijah Molden. But I understand right. Elijah that's, Molden that's battling with the guy who's been there. Independent of Farley. I mean, independent of Fulton. Far, I think for, I'm, I'm totally with you. The conversation was not about does the 22nd pick in the draft, when healthy, qual, is he qualified to play right away? He's got the traits. He's got the skills. 
He, he's a better looking guy than all of these people. He should break on the ball better, all of this stuff. Nobody was talking about, oh, the rust is going to slow him down, all that stuff. I agree with you. But Fulton is a case unto himself with similar questions. He was hurt last year. He didn't show very well when he played. They never really settled on whether he could play on the inside. And they haven't answered those questions independent of the Farley stuff. And Chris Jackson's just there, 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 there. Are they getting Fulton in there? I wrote about this today. I mean, if you're getting Fulton in there, it's time to get Fulton in there. Are we going to hear on opening day, well, we like Fulton in there, but he hasn't played in there a lot. Who's that on? Agreed. And because you needed him outside for practices early? And some, some of this is, admittedly, paralysis by analysis, right? Like, we, we didn't have this last year with this team. But I'm laying a foundation for a storyline that I'm going to check back in on throughout the season. I feel like we should be overly critical of this team because they did not achieve what they could have last year with a terrible defense. They need certain upgrades. And what they're relying on are second-year players and rookies to play at a very high level quickly. They need a quick start out of the gate with the way the schedule lines up. On paper, injuries happen. I feel like I, I shouldn't have to give that caveat, but I do. Injuries will happen to every team that affects week-to-week -week game plans and matchups. I get it. But as we go into the season, this Titans team needs a quick start, especially in those first three games. Cardinals at home, at Seattle, home against the Colts. And as I assess where they are depth-wise right now, where the injury situation is on the interior offensive line, what they didn't address in the draft, what they did draft and where they are right now as we go into three preseason games, we have to put this on record that we're reading into this uh, uh, as we should so that when we bring it up two months from now as an issue, we can look back on August and say, look, we, discussed it, we discussed it then. This was going to be an issue. Because right now, I hear about a lot of patience. I hear about a, a lot of you know, injury concerns and, and how guys, they're going to be in, a mix, in the mix a month from now instead of, instead of right now. The fact that Caleb Farley is off the NFI and is right back into work in a week into camp is a signal that health-wise, he's fine. Physically, there was no question about his athleticism and, his, and what he could mean to an NFL roster as a cover corner on the outside. That doesn't mean it happens overnight. Doesn't mean he's played cornerback for a very long time. But they drafted him where they drafted him for a reason. I'm holding him to that expectation and to that watermark. That's just how it is. And when Dylan Radins is drafted in the second round because they failed on Isaiah Wilson, he's also held to that watermark. They have to hit on him. And the fact that he's listed as a backup right guard as we go into preseason game number one is something to evaluate and notice. Third round pick, Monty Rice, a backup to Jan Johnson. What? That's completely artificial, what? though. Monty Rice is playing with David Long as a second Art team inside lineup. But you, you understand where I'm coming from, though. Like, yeah, but some I, of I'm it's noticing more, these, and, and I know that they're back. Uh, some of these, where's Elijah Molden on the depth Elijah chart? Elijah Molden is the second team. I don't know where he is on the depth chart. He's the second team nickel. Well, good for him because he's actually listed where he probably should be to this point based on what Chris Jackson is doing. Uh, he's the only one. So uh, I, I'm not here to raise my hand and say it's time to you know, uh, manufacture storylines. But I feel like overall, two weeks in, we haven't really discussed the real storylines of this roster. And, and the big improvement pieces, we haven't really seen as we go into Atlanta. A couple things that sort of disappoint me about this. One, and maybe this is a little bit selfish, knowing Trey Smith and, and following him at Tennessee, uh, they had a chance to draft Trey Smith, and I know that you know maybe they're they're Everybody okay did. at guard. Everybody did. Yeah, a lot of people did, but they had a chance to get him late. But really, the thing that that sort of irks me, and this is not this is not some condemnation of John Robinson and the job he's done overall. He's done a very good job overall. But it's the Kansas City Chiefs that have already won one Super Bowl and been to another one, and are poised to go to multiple other Super Bowls possibly. Those are the organizations that find Trey Smith in the sixth round to plug and start immediately. That's what's frustrating. I want the Titans to get to that level where they draft not Dylan Radins, but they find well, someone in the sixth round uh, that let, can start it right now. Let me add a little context right to what you're saying. I know saying. that doesn't happen right. every year, but it's seemingly when a team that's that good that builds around certain players that has noticeable vacant spots on their roster – they go and find guys even later in the draft that turn out to be really good football players for them immediately. And the Titans 
have not, at least in this draft with Dylan Radens so far, again, the caveat with everything, mm-hmm. seemingly have not done that because, Hutton, when they draft Dylan Radens, I'm thinking, I don't like they're having to go back to the right tackle well again. They but if to. he starts immediately, it's fine because then you're correcting the not, Isaiah Wilson mistake. Not start immediately. Battles for the job against a vet who has 27 starts and eventually is the starter by October. I mean, that was the, that was the overriding sentiment whenever they drafted the guy. Um, that was worst case scenario. Or, for yeah, me. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I should also point out, just to put in context here, because as we go into the regular season, you're going to look at the Chiefs' depth chart and you're going to say, well, uh, Trey Smith is the starter because well, I've never heard of the guy that's backing him up. He, he, over, he took the job of Duvernay Tardif. Is the jo- that, he was the starting right guard for the Kansas City Chiefs who's back from the COVID season. And Duvernay Tardif has injured now his right hand as of yesterday. So he's about to have corrective, I don't know if it's a surgery procedure, what's going to happen. He's, not, he's going to be placed on a, a roster uh, exempt list, an IR, I don't know, which, by the way, there's unlimited IR recalls now as long as you're on the roster September 53. the 1st, I believe. Um, nonetheless, keep in mind that Trey Smith quickly jumped ahead of the vet almost immediately as camp started. That's how good he's been. That, that, that's, the, that's the context behind why we use him as the example. It's not that the rookie's starting on the Chiefs' offensive line. It's that they had a true vet in front of them that they really didn't have to draft for. They did anyway, and they allowed that guy to immediately take his job before he was hurt as a backup in practice. Yeah. Uh, the question is, if Trey Smith were here, would the Titans let him advance to the, to the front of the line? Um, you know, and I've said time and time again, where are the Benji Olsons? Where are the David Stewart? David Stewart had a great career with the Titans. He's yeah. drafted in fourth round. Uh, Titans haven't found that kind of offensive lineman here. They overinvest in the, they, they've overinvested in the offensive line, which is a good group now. Needs to be a good group again. Doesn't come with a guarantee. Um, and also Ben Jones is hurt. Nate Davis has been out for a while it's now. It's an issue right now. And a lot of backup people. Are, are hurt. It is a, it's a glaring issue right now that we, we certainly want them to be healthy and see how far they can push this year. Um, but the interior offensive line is something to watch as camp continues to go. And we still don't know much about Julio Jones. Uh, that's also an, uh, another big unknown. Uh, Paul, the Titans have agreed to terms with Gabe Holmes, a veteran tight end. I'll give the particulars here. Uh, four starts, 10 games. 6'5", 255 pounds. He is uh, an NFL journeyman. Um, Oakland, Seattle, Baltimore, Arizona, Indianapolis, among the teams that he's been on. I presume he's another Jeff Swain. They have a lot of Jeff Swains right now. Jeff Swain is not one of the Jeff Swains that they have right now because Jeff Swain is out. So they have Luke Stocker. They have, I, I would well, put him in order, Tommy Hudson, Luke Stocker. I want to. Gabe Holmes. There's all. Yeah, there's always a reason for this. Like, so they signed Luke Stocker, and we haven't seen Jeff Swain since they signed Luke Stocker. Yes. Did something else happen? I don't I, know. I, 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 that's something else. We'll have practice later today. We'll, we'll evaluate who's there and who's not there. But again, this, uh, when they sign a vet like this, you can churn the back end of a roster. But also, you're trying to get through preseason games. You're trying to ensure you don't have further injuries. Um, this could mean more about Jeff Swain not coming back anytime well, soon. Well, here's the other thing. I, I heard Mike Herndon say this yesterday. I agree entirely. Like, how many Jeff Swains do you need on the roster? I, I don't think the Titans need to keep four because if you have Ferkser as the pass catcher mm-hmm. and then you have Swain, Stocker, Hudson, some two right. of those, right. wh- why do you need the third one on the 53? You don't. He's no. a clone of the first two. And this guy probably is the same. So you have two of them on the roster and one and of them on the practice squad. Now, if they Swain is a spot. serious injury, he's going to wind up on IR. If he's a returnable guy, you're going to have to put him on the initial 53, I, okay. let, him, let him be on the roster for no. a day, then IR him because he'll be returnable. And I apologize. What happened here, um, they just replaced Ernsberger with, oh, with this guy. Because Ernsberger, yeah, went, he, he, he was, was waved injured. For three days. He got hurt and they paid him to go home. Yeah, he was on the roster for like three days. So that's, all, that's what this that's is That's what here. this is. But again, uh, another one of those types. So l- let's keep it. Uh, let, keeping this guy out of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Swaim, Hudson, Stalker. I would stack that way. I don't know if Stalker's overtaking Hudson or not. I know they like Hudson a lot. Um, 
one of those guys isn't making it, I would think. Now, either it's Swaim on an IR. Maybe he's done for the season. I don't know. Then you're solved. It, it would be uh, Hudson and, and, and uh, Stalker. But if all three of them are in the mix, if Swaim's out for a time or if Swaim is back, um, one of those guys is going to be uh, uh, on the practice squad. I can't see keeping four. What do you need three blocking tight ends? I'm, I agree. I, I, we're you past the, the Mike Malarkey days, or was it Wizenhunt that what's kept? Did they have five? If, any, uh, if anyone, it was Malarkey, right? If any franchise is going to keep a lot of blocking tight ends, it's the Tennessee <laughs> Titans. That's for uh, sure. They're graduating past that because the conversation's now about seven wide receivers, Where, which would also be hard to do. What what selection was Trey Smith overall? Um, sixth round. Sixth yeah, round. Sixth round. But where? I'm quickly it. looking. It should be the end of the sixth round if it was their regular pick. Because so, yeah. So almost a seventh round pick. It's something I'm I'm going to remember from here on out because. Uh, it's a it's a great 226th overall pick. Okay, so what this means as we just compare, he's 226 overall. Yep. The Titans selected Racy McMath and Brady Breeze, the safety out of Oregon, ahead of Trey Smith. Brady Breeze, where's Brady Breeze as a rookie on this depth chart uh, at he, safety? He's where he belongs on this depth chart. <laughs> okay. Like the rookies are buried. Yeah. Uh, he, Brady Breeze is where he belongs. They did have a pick the other day. I kept, and I know that it's uh, so much. It's overblown with like the local ties and all, all that. But I mean, I, I seem to remember the video of uh, of Mike Vrabel working with Trey Smith. Yeah. Remember at Tennessee's pro mm-hmm. day. That went viral where he was there. And, and Tennessee well, that, fans that are tight. It's all fans medical. Like, oh, man, this, is, this could be a great fit. People, and is it? I didn't think that early on, medical. but as he was, went so far in the draft, I'm thinking maybe. I kept thinking back to that video and thinking, I mean, they had a chance to get hands on him personally. Maybe they end up taking Trey Smith, and it didn't happen. Yeah. Um, I've got a third down little thing I wanted to bring Good. up. Uh, you do it now? Yeah. Okay. So I asked Jayon Brown, who was at the podium, uh, because I think one of the things that we don't get any gauge of and we won't get in the preseason is how much better they are in third down. Titans third down defense last year, atrocious. Gave up over 50% conversions, right? Well Number one thing that's got to be solved. They've got to get people off the field on third down. I said to J.M. Brown, when do you think you'll have a sense of if you're better on third down, how much better you are on third down? Guess when he said? After the season. End of the season. <laughs> Now, is that a hell of a wait or what? Hey, everybody, i see you in uh, January in terms of third down check-in. We'll know after I mean, his contract expires. is that ridiculous expires. or what? <laughs> we'll know when his contract expires. We're going to know pretty quick uh, up against Kyler Murray in, in Arizona and DeAndre Hopkins and, no, we won't and that offense. We'll, we'll, know. Know. we'll know. We'll know. We'll get a nice little case study in that, that week one game about how much that? better they are. It's, it, it's also it's a tough question to answer though. You what would, is the proper answer one game? Is it um, is it we already know we're better? I don't know. I'm trying less and less to say what the right answer is. But I know. I think the right answer is yeah, three weeks. I mean, three, we, three weeks we'll have a body of work and we'll know what we, we are. We knew this was a bad down. third down defense by October of last year. Yeah. They were setting all kinds of records. And it was horrible. Elias was sending out all kinds of in, stats week to week. Yeah, three weeks in, I think you'll know if it's. Better. If, if the Titans had the Butch Jones equivalent for third down for what or third down for what in the stadium, it would have been booed. That's how bad the third down defense was. Wasn't it, that song booed anyway? Stadium. Just because people. Uh, oh, well, no. eventually when the losses started piling up, people <laughs> were like, "Oh, this again! Oh, here we go!" Well, it was booed. It was Little John. It, it was again. more of a groan whenever whenever you're down in the fourth <laughs> quarter. And it's the boom, 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 boom. It's kind of a comedic thing. You know, Bama's up 41 to you're, 10. You're into it on the first third down of the game against Florida. Whenever you're trailing 21 right. to 3. Then you're done. Yeah, then, well, then it doesn't mean as much. I mean, it's also we, when you've given up eight consecutive first downs <laughs> and it's third and goal from the one and they fired up when they're you know, a foot away from the goal line, it's not as If we impactful. extend Jan Brown's thinking – no stats all season, and then week 17 after the game's over, here, you it's like a report see. card. Here's what we did. I, I would first like to address Paul Koharski in this press conference, if I may. Our third down and defense. Paul, uh, you asked a question back in August about third down defense and when we would know. We have the full season stats here, and I'd like, like to discuss to that them. with you I, hey, before we get this thing going. I, I, it, it'll be in his uh, exit interview. That's when he'll find out. If By the, the way, uh, I love the visual because we actually look like we're in a press conference right now with our table and the I, mics. Uh, we, can, we can really act out of press it, conference. It, it's, it, it's cliche in a way. I do appreciate Jayon Brown saying it is Super Bowl or bust. Uh, he, he did say if they don't win, it's a failure. I, th- that should be the goal of this team. 
Um, and that's the expectation that I have for this group. It's not Super Bowl win. It, there are aspects to a postseason that play out. Uh, there are, uh, they, they could be terrible one day at kicker, as we well know. Uh, but th- there are ways to really build off of what the, the foundation that this GM and head coach uh, with Vrabel and Robinson, they've done some great things. They've put together a great team. And it, it's time for that team to take it to the next level. Chips are in. And I'm just saying, let's evaluate this team based on the chips being in the middle of the table instead of patience. There's no time for patience. September 12th is coming around the corner, and that's when it matters. It is a quick start that is required of this group because they, they should win against Arizona. It's tough to go win in September against Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks, but this is a team that should go on the road and win. They should definitely win right now against the Indianapolis Colts at home. And then they are gifted the Jets and the Jags back-to-back weeks. It is hard not to read into the first five weeks of the schedule. And to me, there's no time for patience when evaluating that. Well, there is some time for patience now. It's a long, it's still. Not to improve on certain aspects of this team. Four or five weeks over. Well, no, I mean, the the horses are, are the horses. Right. Uh, They're not changing personnel here. Um, Coming up in a matter of, what, two minutes, we will have the 360 parlay where Chad Withrow, I'll admit. um, I'm getting back in the game. The results won't be nearly Jacob Swanson-like, but it's a win. We'll tell you why shortly. Outkick 360 rolls on. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, the daily parlay from OutKick360 and FanDuel.com. There is a betting area, not a betting area, but betting, a betting, betting area. We ran into that problem yesterday. We really I have to closely. enunciate betting. Chad and I were betting. in the betting, betting area. We are in the Where betting you can lay down. booth. A nice area um, to lay down. We've been in a betting area before, too, but this is a betting area. <laughs> we have. We have. Uh, on the, we, Chad and I once, uh, we once hosted a show on the edge of my hotel bed. Um, we, we, also, did, we did not get in the middle of the bed. We, we also it was on shared, the edge, edge only. We also shared a room, two queen beds, not one king, <laughs> and watched Don't be rash. Real Housewives of Orange County. We did. Circa 2007. It was uh, quite the bond. For about four straight hours. How, you really and I did a show from near the grassy knoll in a, in a oh, that, bedroom. Y- yes, we, with McGinnis. I've, I've been in bed with both of these gentlemen. What can I say? <laughs> Why weren't we out doing something? <laughs> I think back on that, that night now, and I'm like, we're, in, we're 25 at this point, 25 and Very 24. Sleepy. We're in Phoenix. You don't want to we be were rushed. in downtown Phoenix, I think, at the uh, time, in that hotel. Were you out with Dan Marley? And we spent night? an entire night watching Real Housewives of Orange County. I, don't, I can't you think just of another Super Bowl night where it's been that lame. Sometimes There's usually at least a dinner in, or something off. I think it had something to do with the other guy we were with uh, all that trip. Just, Maybe. I mean, name names. We just went through we a big thing about out. naming we names. We were getting out. He was uh, out. <laughs> I guarantee you that. Yeah, I mean, that's why you don't want to run into him. Um, I don't know. Chad, the parlay, please. The parlay is a parlay. <laughs> <laughs> Astros money line. We're going huge favorites tonight. We're going to win. Five dollar bet wins sixteen eighty two. Stalling until the parlay comes on the screen so we can see what it is is a tradition unlike any other. Yeah, I'm, uh, it's I'm parlay. This. Uh, it's not uh, long odds this time. It's Why? not going to net you a lot of money. Why Nick? Uh, I'm not trying to make anybody laugh with this or any of that. But the parlay Grizzlies summer league. I've watched a little Summer League. No, you Why? haven't. I don't Why? know how much uh, these teams really You have not watched forth, Summer League. But Why? these are players, Hutton. <laughs> please, let me finish. <laughs> these are players desperately trying to make the roster. Eves Pond that's, no, that's signed fair. with the Grizzlies yeah. Yeah. Uh, after yeah, a couple both, good Summer League performances. Trying to make the uh, give me the uh, in-state. Paul wishes it was out of state, but in-state Memphis Grizzlies. Minus 124 to win on the money line against Redraw the Heat. The map. Give me Nick Castellanos against the Braves tonight to record a hit. Uh, Braves won last night. They, they, Paul wanted to know why you chose Nick. Why Nick? Because he's very good. <laughs> he's very good. And um, Paul, I've had a lot of success. It's also a huge favorite to get it. Well, at least one. I've day. had a lot of success fading he's like the Braves. Fifth in the game. Typically, when I fade the Braves, it works out against the Braves. We so needed I'm at least ten dollars on winning. A, a hit against the, the Braves. <laughs> he was just looking to get the. And I, what set. was the third one? I didn't even get to the third one. You did. Uh, Grizz was oh, second. Oh, and the Houston Astros. Astros, Astros. Yeah. yeah, Astros big favorites against the Rockies, who are not very good. 
So, you know, naturally, that's going to be the one that loses. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. I feel, well, an, o, I, 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 I feel an 0 for 3 there. On the, on the way on out, uh, props to everyone involved. I mean, it's, it's hard to argue big numbers. Uh, highest IndyCar coverage ever on NBC Sports Network was the Music City Grand Prix. Um, congrats. I mean, that, that, that's great for the debut, and it's something to build on uh, what is currently a three-year deal downtown. I so. watched a, a reasonable share of it. The tires just crinkle too damn easily. I want NASCARs yeah, those, on a track like that. I, I want to like it, but, I mean, you touch somebody and yep. the race stops for half an hour. The confined spaces make it tough on those open wheel. Cars. And I hope they do the course, make it a little bit more interesting second time. Around. It is pretty cool, though, that of boring. all the races on NBC Sports Network, more people nationally tuned in just to see Nashville. I, I mean, yeah. that's the biggest thing is that I think it was the uh, novelty you know what? of having a, a Grand Prix. Here's where it's going to pay First off. one ever over water in IndyCar series that they actually drove over water. Am I race? the only one that wanted to see one of those fences tested? No, you did it earlier in the weekend, you did. But you, you're not the only one who wanted to Oh, you're talking about on the bridge? Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't want I didn't want to see that. I, I mean, the, the I'm rating, not wishing death on anybody. The I ratings, just to see uh, the, the ratings mean more sponsorship dollars for next year's race. Uh, that that's huge. I mean, that's that's great news. Uh, when you think of the money spent on the course itself, the setup, um, I think they they considered grading down the bridge. Uh, I heard they considered grading down the bridge to make it where it wasn't nearly as bumpy, but it was going to cost the 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 race. Uh, set up group like repaving you mean not repaving you have to grade the bridge then you'd have to reseal it after the race in order to give it you know the city would require that it was going to cost like seven eight hundred thousand dollars that's why it was so bumpy um they, they didn't have it race quality maybe with the added sponsorship dollars coming in we'll see more of that and i think the the as they if you do that once you don't have to do it again um, i heard this after the race anyway um hopefully we get more money influx as the city continues to grow um, with the race, with those numbers. Final thing on the way out, uh, Jimmy Himes out in Knoxville says that Tennessee's home game uh, against Pitt next year, uh, Tennessee, sorry, Tennessee's home game this year and next year at Pitt will be called the Johnny Majors Classic. That's awesome. That's oh, a nice that's touch. Very cool. That's I a like nice that. touch. Um, of course, he was an All-American at UT, a head coach at both um, Awesome. Good job. Really good. Very cool. Made that happen. Uh, fun show today. Great to have you back in studio, Paul. Debut here. with Paul in studio here at 6th and Peabody. Come join us. The weekend's almost here. We've, we're turning the corner. Come, come join us uh, for Thursday or Friday show. Everything opens up here at 11 a.m. Central. You can grab lunch. You can grab a drink. It's a really cool venue if you've never been. 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw and Old Smokey. We are back at it tomorrow for Outkick 360. Don't block the box. Do, please, please. Lock your locks. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.